Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where we might change things up tonight. No, we're not. We're not changing anything. This is a normal episode, but we're talking about change. So anyway, I'm Void. I'm here with my co-host, Beige. Changes. I don't know. I, I could. I, I knew there was a song and I couldn't sing it. I just, I'm sorry. Good try, I suppose. I guess. Yeah, something. Yeah. So we're talking about like life changes today because, well, this could apply to a lot of things right it could apply to just off the top of my head like moving having kids marriage like anything new that throws off your routine um i know you talked about just like mental health changes in general but today we mostly wanted to talk about it because both of us have switched jobs recently yep um we kind of traded like i just spent three and a half years doing freelance and you spent i don't know how long in the academic world and Uh, eight years uh right at nine yeah, and you've already talked about how you've been moving over to freelance, and that's you're like you're there now. And yep. um, just in the last week and a half here, as of recording this, I'm back to full time, which is a huge change for me after three and a half years of basically being home in my pajamas every day while I'm working. And yeah, I just thought it'd be a good time, like while I'm in the middle of this, to just talk about life changes. And it's really funny to me that you went back to full time as I switch like this because you being freelance is a lot of what made me want to do freelancing and realize that I could is the time that we spent doing this and just seeing your schedule and all of the skills that you have. Like, I can do this like it it and having you to bounce ideas off of helped me a lot. And then you're like, OK, I'm good now. I'm going to go back to work. Yeah. Uh, part of it was like all of these skills that I've built freelancing and just being able to dive into anything and just kind of work with it and make it work and pick up projects. I mean, I've been doing digital marketing consulting and web development, essentially, for like three and a half years here with a little bit of video spring t- sprinkled in, but not a whole lot. And these skills are directly why I was able to go back and get full time. So I'm kind of doing like what I had been doing for a variety of clients over the last few years, but take all those skills and then instead of having them dispersed between different projects and different clients, now I get to bring all of them to bear in one job for one client over a long period of time that instead of being a client, it's the company that I work for, which is a shift for me. It's interesting, but that's kind of where I'm at. Like I get to bring all these skills to the table and I'm really excited because I found that the longer term projects as a freelancer were some of the more fun ones anyway, because you can do a project and then build on it, you know, like take what you learn and apply it to the next time. So I get to do that. But now just as long as I want to, like I can keep building on what I've done before with one company. It's weird that you and I have switched so completely because for me, it's the exact opposite in terms of skills, because the stuff that I did teaching, like I'm using some of those skills that I got teaching and administrating and running the learning center. But most of what I'm actually like doing day to day with the writing and I'm doing a lot of marketing and web development as well. And uh, a lot of freelance writing I didn't anticipate came from the side projects for me. It was doing the books. It was doing the podcast. It was all of this stuff that over the last like nine, 10 years that I've just done as hobbies during the summers and during my off time, that's what I've finally been able to use to make a job out of where you did the stuff as a uh, as a freelancer to get paid and then made it into the full-time thing. So it was weird to, it's kind of weird to see that we both went and built those skill sets in completely separate ways. Well, I mean, if you look back far enough, 
I really did build all of these like as side skills because I was, you know, my schooling is in video production and like mass communications in general. But that's what I did. Like from the time I was 15 until I was like 25, I was working professionally in video. And in doing that on the side, just because I liked it, I was doing web stuff. Like since high school, I've always thought the web was interesting. So I was doing like HTML and basic CSS stuff in high school. Same here, yeah. Um, And then that slowly ramped up for side projects over time because as video got more and more professional, I didn't want to do it in my free time because I was getting paid for it. And I found that happens a lot. Like the more you do something professional, Mm -hmm. the less you want to do it when you have time on your own. Um, So as I did less video on the side, I started doing web stuff on the side just for something different, for something new to teach myself. And that's when I made the jump. You know, once my skills reached a certain point and people at the marketing agency I used to work at found out about it that's when i was able to start making that transition from video to web and then just okay in the whole like marketing agency world is where i picked up a ton of my general marketing skills things that you don't really learn until you're in the marketing world and then you just absorb them by being around them it's kind of a soft skill set like there's no one thing i can point to and be like look i'm a marketer because of xyz (laughs) yes it's just like you're around it enough you speak the marketing lingo you know, you can be like corporate facing, but you can also be realistic and you can uh-huh. be like agency facing and you can talk to freelancers. And yeah, you suddenly you're a marketer, right? Like I'm a digital marketer. This is what I've been doing for years. And it's kind yep. of weird that this is my field now, but it's definitely my field now. And I'm comfortable here. With those soft skills, there are so many different things that go into it just under the umbrella of marketing, like you said. Jennifer went to a conference a couple of years ago that really laid it out very well for me in my mind. It's the idea of, oh, like you said, I'm a marketer. And it's like, what do you do? It's like you and I both do marketing, but we have incredibly different skills at it. Like I have some web marketing stuff that I can do because of the books and things like that. A little bit of AdWords and SEO type stuff that I know you've dealt with in the past and but for me i'm a public relations guy more than anything when it comes to marketing because publicity is like when you're shooting you know uh, they put the way that they put it was shooting off into the night and just shouting out me like hey this is what we've got going on you guys like just just kind of the town crier kind of just putting out the word but public relations is when you're like going out and talking to individuals and relating with the public and that one-on-one building a personal relationship and that's what i'm really good at when it comes to marketing this week for the book festival i'm working with that is specifically my plan to go to businesses and individual people and start talking to them because i could i can sell like my friend in high school said that i could sell an empty coke can for a hundred dollars and on ebay and that's what i can do i can sell people pretty much anything when i'm in person like i sell so many books in person like i know that's my kind of marketing is because is face-to-face sales and and being able to do that way but when it gets online i try to transition into that that's why i like twitter so much and doing the the actual social media as opposed to more of the ad-based seo stuff so yeah it's weird that those soft skills that you develop really in some ways are personality based too because i know you and i have talked a lot about how how we approach even promoting the podcast differently where I, I will just go out and be like, Hey, you list you person, this, you individual, listen to me. And you're like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I mean the people that I have a relationship with, like on Twitter, it's mm-hmm. different. Like I love talking to listeners, Oh yeah. but 
in my in my work, like I'm not doing PR. I'm not doing sales, really. I mean, marketing and sales always tie together, but like that's not what I'm passionate about. It's not what I'm into. You know, I'm not going to go out there. And PR is also kind of like spin a lot of the time. And and a lot like of times, yeah. Framing the message. Um, so like you know, I don't I don't do the spin stuff as much, but I will like you know make a message and like big big changes to a website or like messaging that's going to affect you know like thousands of people that visit a website every day or like how do you get thousands and thousands of people to visit a website every day things like that that are very big and very broad but i'm not ever going after like one person one-on-one because i live in the digital world right i'm very much like digital marketing is my thing now somehow Mm -hmm. i just just yeah like i realize with this job too that this is the first time that i've been able to look back at all my jobs and go oh i have a career in this like Mm -hmm. this is my career now is digital marketing and i can look back and see how i got here but i would never have been able to guess that like where i am now from where i was five years ago or 10 years ago um it just felt like it was job to job and now i've finally landed somewhere where it's like oh we want all of the skills that you've ever acquired bring all of those to this job because you're gonna need them you know yeah which is fantastic like that's why i'm so excited about this job and it's awesome but it's weird because I've never really felt like I had a career before. And I don't know if this is like a generational thing because yeah. we, you and I are kind of like millennial, but we're not the young end of it. We're like the older yeah, part. We're on of the, the mo- tail end of the millennial generation. Right. So I don't know. Maybe this is just as you get older, suddenly you see what your career is. I don't know. It's it's a, definitely a new feeling for me. And for me, it's switching careers. That's what's been so terrifying for me in dealing with this transition and having to find ways to cope and actually deal with it, actually making a transition instead of just switching into something else, is I'm going from education into the freelance market, digital marketing and web development career. I mean, all of the skills that I've got, some of them can translate, especially the soft skills. But when it comes to hard skills and industry, I'm not going to be administrating learning centers anymore. I'm not going to be teaching college-level English anymore. So that looking back, and one of the big fears that I had was something that I dedicated nearly a decade to, got my master's degree in, had spent, you know, that much school and energy in and effort and, you know, love just completely moving out of it into a completely new field. It was terrifying for me. But being able to go in like this, I can look back and be like, oh yeah, all of these soft skills, that's what I'm really good at. I can I can work with clients because I know how to work with students when they have these problems. That I've I've worked not as a counselor, but I've I've certainly given enough counsel to people that I know how to to talk to these problems and try to smooth them out whenever anything comes up and deal with interviews. And, and, you know, impress the clients and know when to use my humor and when to just play it cool. I've got a couple of interviews coming up this week that my humor is just off. <laughs> yeah, well, one of the things that I've also noticed is that, like, you'll find this if you haven't already. And I feel like you're probably just on the cusp of realizing this. But once your clients get to know you and they'll hire you for, like, a project, like a very narrow, specific thing. Once they meet you and they learn what your skills are and like all these tangential things that you do, you start getting pulled in more and more yeah. to things that you just dabbled in. But suddenly they're like, can you do this? And you just go, yeah, probably. Yeah. Sure, let's try it. And then suddenly you build out a new skill set. And yeah. like 
like you and I were talking the other day, like you're starting to get more copywriting stuff because you have this huge background in English. So it's like yep. all of these skills from teaching English and writing and, you know, being your own, like an author on your own, all of that is going to come into play. And I think you're very like just barely seeing the beginning of it. But I think copywriting could become a big part of what you do because of your background. And I think it's going to. I ended up having more than one cop- more than one writing job, uh, feature writing for local magazines and regional magazines because of that background where I did one that somebody told me and then they liked it and then they passed me on to someone else and now I'm probably going to be working with this one publication on a regular basis that they put out twice a year when they need somebody and it's like none and I've had uh web work come in where I've been writing articles for different websites and it's just like I didn't ask for any of this but it it's like cool I'm going to get paid for this and that's wonderful that people are going to you know pay me for the skills that I've got Yeah. And I had a lot of that too. When I was freelancing, it was like, you know, I had been doing mostly full-time web development for like the year leading up to when I started freelancing. So I went looking for a full-time job and instead of finding a full-time job, I picked up a project doing exactly what I had been doing like two weeks before in my job. But now it was like project basis and it was like project led into project led into project, but slowly they morphed from just being straight up web development to being Oh, you know, like webmaster stuff, you know, hosting. And then it's like, oh, you you can do some content stuff too. Okay, well, let's give you some, like, can you just write some placeholder copy? And, you know, 50, <laughs> yep. 50% of the time that I would write placeholder copy for a client, it would end up being final copy. So uh-huh. suddenly I was working as a copywriter too, a little bit. And then it's like, oh, can you help us with social? Can you help us with messaging? Can you help us with like messaging calendars and planning? And it's like, okay, suddenly all of these other things I didn't think I was going to touch and I build out these skills. And that's how I ended up where I am now and going back to full-time because it's like I have all these skills built out now. I can take them to an employer and get a job that I actually really like instead of going back and getting pigeonholed into this one thing, which is what happened to me the first time around, right? It was like not really kind of entry level, but maybe one step above that. But it was like you get hired to do one thing and Mm – that doesn't fit with me at all. Just me as a person. Yeah, I, you cannot do if you are a cubicle uh, and no offense to anyone who does this. But if you were a cubicle paper pusher who data entry person who you basically flip pages, typed the same things in day after day after day to make sure that it got done, you would lose your mind that yeah, it would that is impossible me. for you to do. No. And, you know, I, I was never that extreme, but it was like. You know, I would have weeks where I did video editing for like a month straight, like 40 hours a week. And I always end up outgrowing jobs where they hire me for one little thing like mm-hmm. that because I wear multiple hats and I wear them yep. well. That's what I do. So suddenly I start branching out into, in that case, I started branching out into like handling data for the agency and like uh, dealing yeah. with different assets and like how the teams interconnected. So like how the video team would start interfacing with other teams. Um, in the agency. So I kind of ended up in kind of a liaison role and then a data management role on top of doing video production and editing. And suddenly I'm doing a job that I don't actually have like the job title for because it doesn't match the description anymore. But I suddenly feel a lot more comfortable because I'm wearing multiple hats, juggling lots of things. I'm not getting bored. So like I said, this is the first time that I've been able to go look for a job that has multiple hats involved and I can dive into it and Already, I can tell it's such a good fit because I can 
do lots of different things and I'm not going to get bored. There's always going to be something to do. And one thing I want to talk about with that idea is that you've you've worked toward this job that you have you have put this out there you have worked on these skills and even though they weren't all necessarily on purpose they were all in a trajectory that you set because of what you wanted to do because you know that was going to be your career whether you knew it or not and one thing that with us talking about this being transitions and the way that I got my skill set and doing it on the side projects is that when I sat down to do these side projects I'm not the kind of person who does anything halfway I don't want to be seen as an Amateur, that w- even with my self-published books, I mean, I don't want someone to look at the cover and immediately be like, oh, this is going to be garbage. Maybe they are garbage, but you're not going to look at the cover and immediately think that. You're not going to read the first few lines but like, oh, this guy doesn't understand the English language. And part of what I did was sit down for any of these skills, uh, particular, particularly hard skills that I have, is treat it like the job that I eventually wanted it to be, was that I would hold myself to a professional standard on anything that I really put out, that as I was working on a book, I would sit over the summers and I would work on editing and writing and outlining and planning and doing the research on that. The same thing for uh, web development is I would sit in my spare time working on Ruby and Rails and going through tutorials on PHP to learn how to do back-end WordPress stuff, and I was treating it like I needed to, like I would put the hours in, put my butt in a chair so that I would treat it like the job I wanted it to be, because otherwise it would never have become that job. And if you had stayed complacent in yours and stuck with those one, that one-off job that you had, not worn the different hats, you wouldn't have had it be the job that you wanted it to be. And so I think that's really important that for anybody who is on the cusp of doing this, who is thinking about a, a career transition, some sort of life transition, even picking up a some sort of side revenue, is that if you don't already have the skill set, don't just think, "Oh, I'm, I'll pick this up as I go," and you know, I'll do it as a you know, it's a hobby. It's like, no, treat it like a job. It doesn't have to be all-consuming. I mean, it doesn't have to even be a part-time job, but hold it to the quality, hold yourself to the quality of work that you would be doing if you were getting paid for it. And I can promise you from, you know, my experience, you're going to get paid for it. That's what happened with a magazine last year. I got published in Like the Wind Running magazine. And when the editor sent me back an email like, yeah, hey, can you get me something? I was like, I got a word vomit draft. And when I emailed it to him, that's what got published, that I'd gotten so decent at writing that when he looked at it, he's like, no, no, if this is your word vomit draft, he was like, no, that's perfect. We'll just you know make the couple of copy edits we needed to. But it's because I treated myself and my job like a professional writing and doing web content and things like that for so long that whenever I got the opportunity, I was able to run with it. One that we should mention before we talk more about this is the imposter syndrome, because everybody suffers from this. And if you've never heard of it, it's something that can seriously affect you. It affects me a lot. Yeah. Imposter syndrome is where you are in a job and you feel like you are a fake because you don't think that you have like the skills required or you're ready for it, even though you are. And it's it's so hard to like get your mind out of that mode, but it's so key to just be like, this is what I'm doing because I'm doing it professionally. I am not an imposter. I'm actually doing this. Like, this is my job. You know, this is professional quality work. And one of the ways that I found for me that made a huge difference is that except for when I was a student, 
I've never done any freelance work for free, like ever. And that is key for me. I don't always charge market rate for it if I'm not like entirely sure about that skill set. But I have never worked for free on the side. The only time that I will is if I'm doing something for myself, right? Like this podcast. Like I'm not charging myself (laughs) for this podcast even though we kind of treat it like a job, we, do. like we don't want to miss a week. You know, we, we are serious about it, but unless you're doing a project for yourself, charge for it. Like you deserve to, because you're doing work for charge somebody else. Something for it. I mean, it doesn't even have, I've, I've done work. I spent an afternoon with a friend working and getting her doing, doing it work for her. And I didn't want to take money from her because it was just kind of, we were friends, but they gave me a, a print of a painting that she had done. And it was like, that's fine. It's like, I have it in my office right now. I'm looking at it on my shelf and it's like, I got paid for it. I got compensated for it. Yeah, I've done things with other freelancers too, where trade services, that's one that's really easy to do when you're starting out. Like if you're like me and you're a developer, but you are not a designer, then find a designer that's in the same spot and trade your services, you know, be like, okay, I'll help you develop XYZ. You help me design XYZ. And you just kind of swap. I've done web work in exchange for photography work before. So it's not always cash. You know, it's not always money uh-huh. flowing back and forth, but always get compensated somehow. Um, Of course, unless you're a student, if you're still in that student phase and you really are like learning it, that's one thing, because there's a point there where you do have to do things for free. Um, But even once you get to like the internship phase, don't work at an unpaid internship. Like, just don't do that. Like, find somewhere that'll pay The you. only way I would suggest on doing an unpaid internship is if it is part of your college curriculum. That if you're getting college credit for it to do that, I know that there's a lot of people who will do a small internship that way. But in ter- but you're still being compensated for that by getting hours of college credit outside of the classroom. So, a way that this directly affected me over the last three and a half years here is that there were times where, you know, I sit down and you, you kind of, as a freelancer, you end up with a bunch of freelancer friends that you bounce things off of, you know, groups that you just kind of fall into because it's nice to have other people to touch base with and kind of check your pricing, check your networks, you know, help each other out if you need to. And I had multiple times where people would tell me, like, you're not charging enough yes. for what you do. You're really good at X. So there were a couple times where I upped my rates because they were they were totally right. But I never actually charged what I was worth for web development no you by didn't. a long shot you didn't at all and I, no i did that on purpose because like web development was one thing but really i wanted to do not just you know x i wanted to do x y and z for people so i purposefully gave myself what i would call a blended rate and then i could just work for people and say here's my blended rate it's you know this amount of money per hour and i can kind of do whatever under that blended rate. So I can do your web development if you want me to, but this is also covers, you know, if you want me to jump into content, if you want me to do some marketing, if you want me to help you with like automation or email campaigns or all of these other things where I didn't feel as confident in my skills, I probably could have charged more for those anyway, but because I kept my rate where I was at, it helped me get all of these tangential things that I wanted to learn. And that was on purpose. Like I chose to do that, but I never didn't charge and that is a really double-edged sword when it comes to starting out and transitioning into doing anything different 
Because when, like you, you told me about uh, your rate and what I should be charging, and I had a project come up that I wanted to to put a bid in on. And I talked with you what you would charge for it, and at the same time I was looking at you know how much time it would take me to do, what was my skill set, could I do this, and yada, yada, yada. And I sent in the bid, and based on my rate that I was charging, based on the number of hours that I saw what it was going to be, it was going to be a $20,000 project. I never heard back from them after that that thing, that they did not see my skill set as being worth what I did, which is fine. I got you know other contracts and moved on. But at the same time, I've also done other projects over the years where the number of hours that I've put in, I severely underbid myself and essentially lost money if because I, I could have been moving on to something else or getting paid or anything else. But where I, I didn't bid high enough and my skills were way higher than what I thought that they were. It's one of the things where you get better at it by doing it, but you have to just jump in and do it because there's no other way to figure it out. Like you can't sit on the sideline going, oh, someday I'm going to charge you yep. know this amount for it. It's like you just have to get in there. You have to put your bids in and you'll figure it out. You'll very quickly figure out if you're undercharging or overcharging and Sometimes you get locked in like by accident at a less rate than like I, I had clients that, you know, when I started freelancing, I wasn't charging as much as I was at the end of freelancing. And they were kind of locked in at that early rate. So I didn't make as much money off of them, but they were good yeah. long term clients. And that matters a lot. So th there's a balance there. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of balance. But I mean, this has kind of been like our career corner a little bit, which has been this is good. Like I didn't know that the conversation would go here, but I also did want to really talk about like if any of these life transitions happen, kind of some of the fallout from it. Yeah. Because the last like week, I've really noticed the parts that are hard of changing everything around. And for me, the main thing is that my routine is thrown off. And oh, because yeah. I'm married and I have kids, it's not my routine that's thrown off. It's my entire family's routine is totally thrown off. I mean, have you been uh, feeling this like have you, as you've made the transition? Yeah, oh my gosh. Um, not nearly as badly as you have because I go through that transition about every four months anyway because of summer and winter break. Because I would have oh, ups right. and downs of having to get used to, oh, I can sleep and not put on pants today or I have to be up and out and going and then driving and doing all of that where the winter break of my, right after I got married, the very first one Jennifer told me that she couldn't wait for me to go back to work because I was becoming a jerk because I had my routine set at home and what I did during the during the day and during the night when I was unmarried that that first break by being married was so hard that I didn't take that transition well because everything had changed and then the next summer I was learning and spring break and things like that I'd learned to transition a little bit better where now, after, you know, when my semester let out in May of this past year, and then I was dealing with a lot of the mental health stuff and then ended up not being able to go back in August uh, because of the anxiety and things that my psychiatrist were and I were working with, I was already in that transition. And then by the time, you know, my sick leave and contract and everything went out, I was like, I was already moving into that, but there was definitely a harder 
harder transition every few months for me to deal with, you know, my some, my schedule was affecting Jennifer's just as much because food, driving, how we're going to, you know, eat and see each other changed just every little bit. And now it's so much more regular that the routine never gets thrown off. This threw it off, actually. We're recording at a different time because of your new job. And Jennifer was going to go to the gym tonight. And she was like, actually, I've got some time alone. She's like, I'm just going to hug the dog and watch YouTube. And it's like, (laughs) even stuff like this, us recording at a different time is a new transition to have to get used to recording at night again. We had the motorcycle in the background a minute ago that I just laughed uh, that you guys won't hear because it will be edited out. But I will edit that out. Every Tuesday night that we record, or actually every night that we record, there is a motorcycle in Void's neighborhood that we hear in the background. And because we have been recording during the day, because we were both freelancing, we didn't hear that motorcycle anymore. The moment I heard it, I broke out cackling because it was having to get used to that routine again. And it's just like, oh, that was comfortable, though. I was like, that's, oh, that motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So for me, like the routine breaking, the thing that is the hardest for me is sleep. And this is something I've gotten better at than I used to be because once you have kids, like yeah. like I was never a person who could take naps in my life until I had kids. And then you learn that you just learn to sleep. Like you can sleep so much more after you're a parent than you can before because you your sleep schedule gets completely destroyed, just utterly decimated. And as you build back up, it's just like you get sleep whenever you can. So sleep is still like the hardest thing when I have a big life transition like this. Um, I find myself just not sleeping deeply and I find myself waking up a lot. And the other thing is I just don't trust my body yet. And it it won't take too long. I'm at about a week and a half here. Probably by the time I'm done Mm -hmm. with my third week, I'll be feeling pretty good. But for the moment, I'm setting like three or four alarms in the morning because I just don't trust that I'm going to get up. And even though I'm setting all these alarms, I'm waking up like 15 or 30 minutes before they go off because my body's just like we don't want to miss work Uh you know it's the second week we don't want to miss work and just not having my body programmed to like do it correctly and you know trusting myself to wake up that has been probably the biggest hurdle like last week i was just exhausted we had we actually pre-recorded last week's podcast because i knew that that was going to (laughs) happen to me there's no way i could have done a podcast last week so i'm glad that I'm glad that we did that. Last week was literally a blur. I could not tell you what I did on which day individually until Saturday. Like, I, I have no idea. And last week was so funny. Like, you, there's no way. I will vouch on this one. I will back you up at 100%. There's no way a podcast could have happened last week because we didn't barely even talk. And we are, like, you and I are generally texting and talking throughout the day at any given time. And, like, I never heard from you. Even now, it's like I'll get an occasional message while you're there. But last week, it was like, Void just fell off the face of the earth. It was like that that company just ate him. And so last week, if you had any spare time that you had, would not be going into podcasting and editing it. Like, it, there is no way that that was possible. No, like, I, ba- I barely touched video games. I barely touched Twitter. I barely touched a lot of the things that kind of, like, keep me sane and help me break out of work mode. And that just made the week difficult. Yeah in a bunch of different ways. And I mean, I I knew what would happen. That's the thing, you know, like I've done enough life transitions now that I knew we needed to record that podcast ahead of time because I basically went into like information absorption mode because it's a new company, it's new people that I don't know yet. Um, you know, new job, new like place Mm -hmm. to sit for most of my day. And then just the fact that it's like, I'm doing marketing still. 
but it's an industry that I've never worked in before. I've never marketed for this particular industry. So suddenly I have to absorb all this information about an industry that I don't know. All of that combined made my week just a complete blur. And then the other thing I noticed, speaking of sitting somewhere (laughs) that's different from this desk where I am right now, is just ergonomics. Like, ergonomics is something that I figured out very quickly as a freelancer makes a huge difference. Like as soon as you're in charge of your own workspace, you know you're going to be sitting there for such a long time. You have to buy your own chair. You have to buy your own whatever. But like having something like a laptop stand so that your neck isn't killing you after two days, these things are important. Very important. And going into a new workplace, yeah, going into a new workplace and not having all the things I'm used to, it was like, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy a bunch of ergonomic stuff just out of pocket because long term, I don't want to be in pain from sitting at my job, yeah. which sounds dumb, but it makes such a huge no, difference. It really does. And my advice on this one to anybody out there is if this isn't if like I said, if this is a transition that you're wanting to make eventually, talk to someone in the industry that you know who you know so that you can get advice on the ergonomics of it. Because I made an offhand comment to you one day of that I was sitting on the couch with my laptop and you're like Nuh uh, don't you do that. And I was like, why? It's like, oh, you, you're, your neck's going to hate you tomorrow. And you know what? I woke up and my neck hated me the next day because of just the position that I was sitting and writing constantly. It wasn't like when I was working on my novels and I just kind of, you know, cozied myself up and made myself comfortable and just did whatever I wanted to do. When it was work, I worked differently. It was a different body posture, a different mindset. And my shoulders and neck hurt so badly. And I listened to you from that point. So now I I'm, I do it differently now than I did at that point so that I don't hurt myself. And so, like I said, my suggestion is ask somebody how they how they work so that if you're not sure how to set up that the best workspace for yourself like that, ask. Yeah. And I mean, really, if you're in any office, like figure out what you can do to make it more ergonomic for yourself. Like I've found that it, it always sucks to have to like buy something out of your own pocket and then take it to work and only use it at work. But it has paid off for me so much over the yep. years. Every time I'm uncomfortable or like I come home and my neck hurts because my monitor is not at the right height. I just, I kind of like grit my teeth and bear it. And I just buy the thing I need to buy because it's my body, yep. you know, like I don't want my body to be harmed in a way that it cannot recover from because I'm sitting in a spot that's uncomfortable for years at a time because I mean you're there like five days a week eight hours a day it makes a huge difference so that was the other thing is I don't have it perfect yet um at my new job I can still tell that my neck my shoulders are a little tight and like my lower back is a little bit off but I'm getting close between laptop stands and just bringing in a bunch of peripherals from my computer from you know from home out of my own pocket but I'm getting close. So that was another one of those just like big transitions was figuring out the ergonomics of my new workspace. And hopefully I, I nail it soon. But I feel like I'm at about 80%, maybe 85% there, which is much better than day one, you know? Part of it for me at that like that is not necessarily having a comfortable space because that's really important, but it's actually having a a not a physically comfortable space, a just comfortable space where I want to be there, that is really important for me, is if I'm working somewhere that I feel uncomfortable in so many ways or any way, I can't deal with it. Like, for so long, I, you know, 
I kept bringing individual pieces and putting in my office when I was at the college where that was, you know, I would bring different kinds of lamps. I would take out the blaring overhead light and freelancing right now is I bounce between like three different places in my house because depending on the time of day, I actually feel different depending on where I am and no different kinds of work that I can get done in different places in my house that if you associate a space with a particular kind of work like that really helps me like because I know that I can be comfortable in different ways and so if I'm if I'm writing long periods I'm going to be lying on my back on a love seat somewhere if I'm working on web development I'm going to be at my desk if I'm working on marketing and emailing and things like that with actual outreach I'm probably going to be on my fit desk but I have these places that I know this is what I'm going to be doing at any given time in those spaces to where it's like, these are my workspaces. And a lot of times they're in the same room. It's just, I move into, you know, my home office. I just move into a different part of it. Yeah. And this is what I was telling you about right when you started is like to have dedicated spaces for different tasks makes Mm -hmm. a huge difference because then when you're like off, you can actually be off in a way that doesn't quite exist when you start blending your workspace and your like private space. And I don't know, Um, but I'm glad that you're, you're getting more there. Yeah. More than anything, it was having a computer. That was my work computer. When I bought the new MacBook this year, that is my work computer. I so rarely do anything personal on it. Like it's been under 1% of the time. Like just when I needed to pull something up on the internet, it happened to be beside me and that was better option than my phone, but that is my work computer. And you are 100% right on that is having that dedicated space. Yeah. And well, and then like, I know that from talking to you, you're dealing with one of the problems that I, I don't know if I had as much trouble, like transitioning to freelancing, but I know that you've talked about just like staying motivated (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, and like how that interacts with like sleep and just like because suddenly you have the ability to honestly like you can kind of sleep whenever you want. Right. You can do the work whenever you want. So if you're in the mindset, you can procrastinate whenever you want. You sure can. And um, it becomes like a matter of discipline for yourself to actually get work done. And I'm pretty good about like putting discipline on myself, but I know that you've talked to me about like just kind of making that transition over into it for freelancing. It's really hard for me. The, uh, it has been really, really hard for me to keep motivated and keep disciplined at doing that. Being, you know, running and losing weight is probably the reason I can do it as well as I can, because that got me in the mindset of, no, you're going to power through this and it's going to be fine afterward. But there, you know, like today, you know, getting up, I did, I woke up before four o'clock and couldn't get back to sleep and ended up getting out of bed at four 30 and just being up. I got about six hours of work done today. And then I fell asleep on the couch that I didn't even know I'd fallen asleep on the couch. My brain went blurry. I couldn't focus anymore. I closed my laptop and then I moved into a different room and fell asleep that I I didn't even know it. And that's happened more than once where I'm fully rested and I've been in the wrong place in my house. I just fell asleep, just realized, woke up a couple hours later and I'm just curled up on my couch or, and and or wherever I'm at. And I'm just, I'm literally curled up in the fetal position, all warm and cozy. And I'm like, what this, I'm, I'm supposed to be at work. What, what, did I, what is wrong with me? And so I've, you know, you ha- those spaces help a lot because if it's not that, if you don't have the discipline to be there, it, you can completely like 
just drift off. If I'm not careful, you know, I'll put something on in the background. And the other day I had to turn stuff off because like, nope, I'm paying attention to the TV show in the background as opposed to, as opposed to actually working on the stuff that I need to work on. And I can't do that where it's, it takes a lot of discipline to do this, but you know, when, you know, you're getting a paycheck, it's much, you know, when you're salaried, it's easier to take a couple of breaks. Like, ah, it's fine. I'm, it's not going to be a big deal if I watch this YouTube video and it turns into a couple, then you go back to work. Uh, you know, when you're freelancing and it's all on you, if it turns into a couple of hours there, those aren't billable hours. And so it's, it really hit, hits you really hard that way. Yeah. I mean, when I was a freelancer, I had weeks that were 120 hours that felt like 40 hour weeks. And then I had weeks that I billed 20 hours and they felt like a 60 or 80 hour week. Uh And that all comes down to me and like how I was dealing with it that week. You know, some weeks it's just like the work won't flow and you just have to like discipline yourself to like sit down and just get it done. But sometimes it can be so hard to do it too. Um, So yeah, it becomes about like finding out what works for you and like we could give you suggestions all day, but in the end it's like figure out what works for you. That's, that's the key. So um, like along those lines, I want to talk about like while we're going through these transitions and stuff, just some coping mechanisms. Um, and we don't have to get like super deep into them, but like for me, sleep, sleep is like number one. And that was another reason we didn't record an episode last week. That's why we pre-recorded because last week was all, (laughs) all I did was I went to work. I worked basically without taking a lunch break almost every day last week because I was just in like starting up mode and then I would come home I would like take care of my kids for a couple hours and make sure they were fed and set for school the next day and all that stuff with you know my wife and I making sure the kids were good to go and then I would tuck them in and I would eat pack my stuff for the next day and immediately go to bed that was that was it like I didn't touch a video game for five days and I had a couple I know I had a couple days where I just like declared Twitter bankruptcy, which I never do. Like I'm a completionist. So if if I follow you on Twitter, you might not know this, but I read every single tweet that comes across my Twitter feed, Um, except for the the odd occasion like last week where I did declare Twitter bankruptcy twice, which I felt pretty bad about because that's not how I normally am. Yeah, I'm I'm really amazed at this. I mean, I knew that 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 you and I both hadn't been very active last week on Twitter, but what? I know. So like, yes, that, sleep. That sleep blows is... my mind. Like I am flabbergasted. I am bumfuzzled. <laughs> sleep is my main coping mechanism. Apparently it's mine thing, too. So the other thing like um not so much last week but starting this week, you know, like getting back into like video games is yeah. a big thing because uh, and it's not I I don't want to play anything new right now. I want to play things that I already know the systems or you know, if there was a sequel to a game that I mm-hmm. like had played the old ones. I could do the new ones, um, but I don't want to learn new systems from scratch right now. My brain is so overloaded with just getting into the work mode uh, at my new job that it's like I've basically been playing Hitman because I started that before I started this job. And I, I know the systems and I'm really having a lot of fun with it. And I've been playing Fire Emblem Heroes, even though that came out in the middle of the first week at my job because I've played other Fire Emblem games in the past. Like, I know the mechanics, you know, it's not taxing to my brain to get up to speed on this new game, but 
I still don't want a new game. Like there's stuff coming out this week that looks really interesting. There's Neo, which a lot of people are talking about that I trust. And they're like, you should try this game. It's amazing. And there's a lot of games coming out in March that I might just have to skip for a while. I mean, the the new stuff that I'm going to dive into is the Switch. Like I know that that's my new thing in March. You know, I just, I don't have the mental capacity to do as many new systems right now because I'm learning so many new systems every single day at work. And I think that would be different if you were going into the same industries as you've been dealing with. But with it being a whole new industry, then, you know, you're having to, like you said, learn all of this, where even though you're using the same skills, that it might not have been so hard on you if it was a familiar industry. Yeah, and I'm I'm constantly going up to people at work who know this stuff. And I'm like, okay, give me a crash course in, you know, whatever it is that particular day. and. Yeah. I'm learning so much. Like, I love it. I love what I'm doing right now. I love how much I'm learning. Um, It's just using up a lot of my mental capacity. So I try to match that by not using as much mental capacity in my entertainment. Because if you guys don't know by now, I love systems. Like, getting into systems, figuring them out, tearing them apart, breaking them, putting them back together, that makes me happy. That's one of the reasons I love video games as much as I do. And I love doing that kind of stuff at work. But I cannot do both intensely at the same time. And right now... All of those skills are going into work right now. So I I need familiar systems in my gaming. Um, And then another thing that I'm using to cope is podcasts and audiobooks, because you guys know I already like those a lot. But I use them when I'm when I'm working in a job like this, a salary job where I go in every day. I need something to break me out of work mode in the morning and at night. So if I don't listen to something that actively engages my brain, on my commute, both to work and from work, I will think about nothing but work. And that drives me a little bit crazy. That may be what drove me crazy. Um, Like, I had a really hard time on my commute, and there were a lot of times where I, I went back and forth on this, where I would use audiobooks and I would use podcasts constantly to break out of the, I'm driving for an hour and a half, I have to do something. And then there were some days where... I wouldn't listen to anything for those three hours a day and I would just stare straight ahead on the commute. And I think that not having my brain engaged made me a little more anxious, but it was a, it was kind of this vicious circle going around of I'm anxious, so I can't focus on anything. So I'm not going to focus on anything except the anxiety. And so the commute was really terrible and I think that because, like you said, having it actually be able to take your mind away from what it is that you're dealing with makes a huge difference that you for me, just music doesn't cut it because yeah, music it, music doesn't do it for me either. And I used to listen to music on my commutes and I realized that all I did on the way into work and the way back home was think about the workday. I was yep. either thinking about what I had to do that day or on my way home, I was thinking about what was left over from the day, processing what I had done that day, and then starting to think about the next day. Um, I didn't actually like discover podcasts until towards the end of my last job. So probably like the last six months, last time I was salary. And as soon as I figured out that I need, it's not that I need to like unfocus, because if I unfocus, my mind's going to drift back to work. It's that I need to focus, but I need to focus on something entirely different from work. Yeah. And that's where podcasts come in. Like, I actually have to af- actively listen, whereas music is a background thing for me. I don't ever really actively listen no. to music. It's always 
there while I'm doing other stuff. Whereas mm-hmm. people talking about subjects I care about, I engage my brain with that. So that's how I break out of work mode is I either listen to a podcast or listen to an audiobook. And it engages my brain in such a way that I lose focus on what I'm listening to because I've started thinking and going down that rabbit hole of, oh, this is how I apply it to my life. And then I have to rewind the podcast to be able to see what I missed while I was working through the tangent on my own. Yeah, and that can be tricky too. Um, Okay, so then another coping thing that I am not getting right now that I desperately need is exercise. Yeah. Um, my so my stationary bike for some reason like the way it's working with me this winter is every time I've used it my back really hurts the next day oh, so no. I I basically haven't used it and it's been warmer than normal so I've actually been going out for walks whenever it warms up to like above freezing and you know, like, you're such a southerner sometimes um i am that sounds miserable that is i am curled up under a blanket with like eight layers on like screaming for someone to uh, set me on fire yeah 36 and sunny is like it's i can go outside for hours it's no problem it's so nice out (sighs) um so we had a few weeks like that where i would go out and walk a lot but we're kind of back into the freeze right now we're not quite to spring in minnesota yet and I need it to get here because I need to go outside <laughs> and I need to exercise because my inside exercise options just aren't cutting it. And exercise is a huge stress relief for me. I learned mm-hmm. that from freelancing and being able to set my own schedule. And I, I desperately, desperately miss not even just running, but like walking and running and just getting out and moving. And when there's a problem, you're the one who turned me on to this, is that when there's a problem that you can't solve by staring at the screen, go run, go walk, move around, pace circles around your kitchen, whatever you do to be active, let that go and you'll come up with the solution while you're doing it. Like most of the time, that's how I've solved things over the last like six months is by doing something completely different. Be like, oh yeah. And then I'll, I'll rush back in to fix whatever it is because I've, I've stopped actively working on the problem and it's kind of stewing in the back of my head. I'm running through different options while I'm doing something else. Yeah. And that's one of those things as a freelancer that I told you about, like uh-huh. people, you're charged people for your mental effort so it doesn't matter if your butt is in the chair it matters if your mind is actively engaged with the project so like i would whenever i would get stuck or like hit some kind of snag with development i would go for a run but that is billable time because i know in the back of my head i'm working on the same problem as if i was sitting in the chair and it doesn't matter like no one's sitting over my shoulder i don't have a boss i'm my own boss you know I bill for the time. I go for a run. By the time I get back to my desk and sit down, I usually have the problem solved and all I have to do is type out the code. And it's like, once I learned that, I realized that like, no, I'm not wasting people's money. This is like valid. You know, this is problem solving time. Uh huh. And I've learned that with writing as well. Uh, I didn't realize until you told me that, that that was how I work anyway, that the way that I write is I think about everything for so long. And I know you and I, I And I know that you and I have talked about this, about the podcast, is because I don't fill out the show notes until pretty close to doing the actual show. 
but I've have them bouncing around in my head for the week before getting everything together. And I know what I can do and then just go in and fill out my part of the notes to keep up with as we're talking. So we keep on track, but I do that with articles and writing and stuff like that while I'm running so much, I'll work through phrasings and structure and how I'm going to be putting this essay or this article or this post together where while I'm running, that is, that is active mental time even though it is not sitting in a chair staring at letters on a screen. It is every bit how I work and get the writing done. It's why, like I mentioned before, that that word vomit draft ended up being the one that he liked enough to be able to publish was because I had worked through the phrasing and wording and how I wanted to do it so much just in the back of my mind and even in the front of my mind while I was doing other things that just because I wasn't at the computer doesn't mean I wasn't working on it. Yeah, and it's interesting because you and I definitely work differently there. Like I will do short bursts of get out, move around and have it processing in the back of my head. But then I come back and I write it down immediately. Mm. Um, You kind of like just from knowing you, you go and you constantly have it churning until the whole thing is done. Uh Whereas like, like our show document that we use to like kind of our talking point document before we do the show for me that gets built up over the course of the entire week like i use documents and i use places like this as an external brain right i store my thoughts as i get them and i organize them over the course of the week so i know that every once in a while you look and like my section Uh of or my half of the you know talking points slowly get fleshed out and by the time we get to tonight like they're ready to go and you didn't write anything in this document until about four hours ago five hours ago something like that yeah Yeah, right it was this well i think it was a little bit earlier than that i want to say it was earlier this morning that i did but yeah but yeah, same day, same day for sure. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And and that but I've been thinking about so many ways that I've transitioned and worked on it that I have obviously we have things to talk about that I have thoughts on it. I just never throughout the week opened it up and did it. It was and and sometimes that does bite me in the butt though. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are times when I have weekly geekery stuff and, and different kinds of of options on talking points we have that I meant to go right down cuz I knew I would lose it. And I got engaged in something else and completely lost it. Cool. And okay, so beyond that, too, I just want to talk about like, and we, we kind of touched on it, but like the media that we consume during this type of time. And I, I already mentioned it. I usually will do something. Well, I talked about video games a little bit, but in terms of like what I watch, I will watch something that this, this is one of the odd circumstances where I actually will go back and rewatch stuff that I already know because I don't have to pay attention to it. I don't need to use my full brain power. Or what I actually found myself doing this last week is watching a lot of YouTube videos that are in like the 10 to 20 minute range because it doesn't feel like as much of a commitment. Like I don't have to sit down for 40 minutes of a TV episode or I don't have to sit down for two hours of a movie. You know, I can just, even if I end up sitting there for three hours, I'm only committing to it at like 10 or 20 minutes at a time which mentally makes a big difference for me. And that makes a big difference for me too. I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. Cool. And then like I said, like games, I'm just looking for familiar familiar systems, things that aren't going to tax my brain too much. Yeah, but you had mentioned that like you have a couple shows, like key shows that you like to watch. I mean, for me, I guess if I had to pick some, it would probably be Aaron Sorkin's stuff because the West Wing is probably one of my favorite shows ever. Um, my wife has, it is my wife's favorite show. And because of that, 
I have either watched it or heard the episodes, all of them, probably at least 10 times, if not more. So it's just like, I can jump into the West Wing at literally any point in any season and know exactly what's going on and what the episode's about and where it's going. But Aaron Sorkin's work in general is really, really good. And I like all of it. So like, I like Newsroom. I like Studio 60. Um, Even some of the movies, you know, like, yeah. Uh, oh, social network yeah social network's really good and like a few good men is still a fantastic movie um if you don't mind young tom cruise which i don't <laughs> he's he's fine um i yeah. like new i like current tom cruise actually i'm one of the few people who i think i just legit like tom cruise not necessarily as a person but i'm gonna go see pretty much anything he's in i just i just like watching tom cruise i like a lot of his stuff yeah i i don't have as big of a problem with him as other people do yeah i don't get this is one of those things where i can easily divorce the person from their work and we talked about this an episode or two ago how like me working directly with people who are famous totally changed my viewpoint of all that kind of thing you know the character on the screen the person that's on air that is not the real person and i know that so this is one of those things where it's like do you really judge the content of something based on who's in it or who the creator is? That is a much, much bigger discussion that we don't have any time for right now, (laughs) but we could come back to. Yeah. But did you have any other thoughts? Like what do you do for like Um, comfort gaming or comfort watching? Silly games are what tend to get me through any kind of stressful time whenever I'm trying to deal with a transition because I'm like you, I don't want to learn anything new and i don't know how much time i'm gonna have so i don't want to sit down and play a final fantasy game because i feel like i may not get to finish it once i get invested that something's going to come up or that i'll get too invested in it and not like with freelancing not actually do the work and instead you know play final fantasy 9 so i've been playing a whole lot lately of doing this with mario run marvel future fight uh fire emblem heroes this week and i really like them because i don't have to do them for long periods of time unless i want to and then i'll have tv on in the background right now my go-to is new girl that i i think i mentioned this last time we recorded but i am now completely caught up i've watched like three and a half or four seasons of new girl now um just having it on in the background while i've worked and written and having have sent out a bunch of emails and contacting people in that kind of marketing and that was great for me because i know what's going on and i can still appreciate the silly things that nick and schmidt say and giggle and still get my work done same for parks and rec I keep that on in the background occasionally, and it used to be How I Met Your Mother, and I love that I opened up the document this morning, and you have these three TV shows listed under my comfort TV, and also a parenthetical says that How I Met Your Mother, but now it almost stresses BJ out, and I'm like, yeah, it really does. It's like, you my soulmate, Bo, you my soulmate, boo, and it's like, (laughs) it it does because it's like I think I've moved past that point in my life where I look I look at them and they're not that much younger than I am now but I'm like I've made this mistake you're doing it wrong and that's the part that stresses me out it's like no don't do that I see, I've, I've been there I know what happens no nothing good does happen past 2am don't do it don't do it and uh, but and now I've been watching Gravity Falls again I started watching it over just as my I need to take a break TV show and Gravity Falls is so good I I'm so sad that you don't like it because it's just it's so good. I had a cartoon yeah. break today and it was great. every once in a while. Every once in a while, I find a cartoon that works for me, but it's it's very few and far between. 
Okay, cool. That was, I was afraid we wouldn't have enough to talk about this week and we're already over an hour in terms of recording time. Uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll probably be close to that by the time I cut some of it out. It will still be close to an hour. Yeah, it'll but, be close. Um, so quickly, geeky offer of the week. Uh, what do you have for Audible? I've just gotten back into running. And so I, w- I wanted to talk about probably my favorite running book that really keeps me going, that really motivated me to do this. It's called My Life on the Run, The Wit, Wisdom, and Inside of a Road Racing Icon. But it's My Life on a Run. My Life on the Run by Bart Yasso. It is so good. Like, if you want to be a runner, if you are a runner, and you just want to have this this inspiring story of how much running can mean to a single person, listen to My Life on the Run. The it is just so good, and it is about one of the one of the greatest, nicest human beings to ever be in the running community so my life on the run by bart yasso is just wonderful and as always you guys can get a free book if you want to check it out go audibletrial.com slash geek to geek cast it helps us out you guys get a free book it's good for everybody um with that it's time for our weekly geekery it's where we share about what we've been geeking out about this week uh, do you want to go first? Um, I actually wanted to let you guys know, usually it's Void doing this, but I was a guest on the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast this week. It should be in your feeds by the time you listen to this episode, and I'm also going to post it to the Health Hacks feed so that you can listen to it, uh, listen to me and Kenny talk about exercise and geeking out. We talk a whole lot about Spider-Man, and uh, you can start listening to his podcast by finding out how awesome he is. Uh, they come out every Wednesday, so like I said, it should be in your feed by now. So listen to me on Dumbbells and Dragons this week. Also, when it comes to actual geekery stuff, dude, you were so right about Ink and Bone. Yes, oh, it is I so was good. Right. By Rachel Kane. Right. Ink and Bone by Rachel Kane. Everyone who is listening to this, go out and either buy it or you go to audibletrial.com slash geek to geekcast and get Ink and Bone. It is the second book I've read. Well, oh no, I only read one book last year. It is the first book I read this year. And it's seriously the only book that I can think of in recent times that I have not sat up and read at night that I went and got my Kindle and read during the day and evenings that I read when I wasn't in bed, that it is so good. I didn't want to stop reading it. And it is the only book that I can think of since ready player one that did that to me. So it is so good. Yeah. Rachel Kane has really good pacing and um, I would say that the Weather Warden series, if you have any interest in that premise, it also yeah. has the same thing. As soon as it gets hooks in you, you don't want to stop until you finish that book. But yeah. I still think that Ink and Bone um, and then the next one, Paper and Fire, those are her best two books that I've read so far. Those yeah, are, Paper it, and Fire, so good. I've started it last night. Like, it's super good. Um, I know you had mentioned Fire Emblem Heroes, like... I've never played a Fire Emblem game, and I totally see why you like them now. Like, even this little mobile game that I can tell is, you know, a hodgepodge of mechanics, still super fun to do. I really like it. Yeah, I've been playing it, too, and it's part of my geekery. And I, the core mechanics of Fire Emblem are here, which makes it just awesome. And then the other thing is, like, I haven't ever felt like I had to pay money in it, which yeah. is really good. And, like, I've, I've noticed a slight slowdown in progression, but most other gotcha games you just kind of hit a wall and it's like, okay, I either I grind it out or I yeah. just pay money and there's no like, okay, I've hit a wall with this game, you know, okay, good. Um, there's definitely a slowdown and there might be a wall farther on that I haven't seen because like I said, I've been working mostly this last week, but I really, really like this game and it's one of those things where 
with free-to-play games, if I don't feel like I have to give money to a developer, that is usually when I will give money to the developer. When I want to give money to them, yeah. Yep. So this has happened to me before with a bunch of games where it was obvious that I didn't have to give money, so I did give money. And that's what I did with this one. I, I did like one round of whatever the in-game currency the orbs are to summon guys mm-hmm. because i felt like i didn't need to it's so weird yeah. it's like counterintuitive but that's the way that my mind works for free-to-play stuff well it's kind of for me i think it's an anti-authoritarian streak because it's like oh you're being greedy and a jerk face i'm not gonna play your game i'm gonna go somewhere else for someone who appreciates me as a customer and with games like that, I'm like, yeah, I want to support this company. I like them. They they let me play a game and have fun and don't force me to throw 99 cents at them every 30 seconds. Yeah, exactly. So because of that, I gave them $12 one time. And I'm very happy with that just to kind of like let them know with my money that I like this. Like, thank yep. you for not being a jerk with your game design, you know? And again, I, I don't know, like Endgame, maybe they are. Maybe you just hit a wall. Maybe you have to pay but I haven't hit that point yet, and I'm still having a lot of fun with Fire Emblem Heroes. And it's kind of, besides podcast, it is probably the main thing that kept me sane over the mm. last few days here. That's awesome. Like, it is super good. It's pretty, too. The only complaint that I've had so far is the same one that my friend had, is that the voices get fairly annoying because they say the same things over and over and over again. Oh, okay. So for Fire Emblem, I turn the volume off. I have my game set in silent mode, so I don't hear any sounds from it. Most times I do too. And then I also go in and I turn off all the battle animations because after the first day, like they look pretty, they look interesting, they look cool. After the first day, there's no point in having them. Like turn off the battle animations and Fire Emblem is quicker. And I I like it when it's quicker. So those are just settings that you can change inside. But I always like to change those when I play a Fire Emblem game. Um, and then, you know, more than anything over the last couple of weeks since we've recorded this, um, and I'm not going to get into it very much, but uh, I've actually been following politics a lot more. You know, right now the the world is, is you know, the world. And I did a podcast on it on Health Hack, so if you really want to hear my thoughts on it, go listen to me and uh, Mike from Force Within talk about politics and how we deal with it. But more than anything, I just wanted my geekery today uh, to be, you know, just the idea of getting involved in showing up that whatever your politics are like i've been getting involved and i've been showing up and i'm finally you know putting my uh my money where my mouth is in a lot of ways so uh getting involved with local groups and people and and making connections and just just showing up and that's been really important for me these last couple of weeks yeah i'm paying more attention than i have before not that i ever didn't pay attention um but i'm i'm kind of casually talking to a couple people about maybe making a culture podcast because of this and i would have jumped on it like right away if i hadn't been transitioning jobs yeah and there's a couple other people that are bloggers and podcasters online they would be fantastic to talk about culture and it's a direct result of paying more attention to politics and seeing the u.s from the inside like we are and then talking to my friends on twitter who are international and what they think about us and that Uh got us onto all of these kind of topics especially with like changing jobs like we were talking about the differences in resumes versus cvs and how you go about assembling it depending on what culture you're in and how like self-promoting you have to be in america and how other cultures that's a huge turnoff so it's just like all of these cultural back and forth cultural ideas that we had and because of politics because of paying more attention to it 
I am very tempted to start up some kind of culture podcast and put it on the Geek Geek Network. I just don't know if I have the time and the bandwidth for it right now because my brain is very full. I say don't do it right now because you just started this new job. Coping strategies void and uh, do it soon. Just let yourself get settled into this before you jump into that. Yeah, it's on my radar. And also, I think this week I may have more geekery than you do. Um, This is weird. It's true. It's strange. I have been starting and stopping so many new TV shows. Okay, like I have wanted to watch a really, 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 really good TV show again. And I haven't done that in a very long time. And so uh, just great TV show. Battlestar Galactica, good TV show. And so I started The Expanse with Tom Jane. It's super good. It is but I'm like good. three episodes in and I'm like, this is really good. I like this a lot. And then I started The Man in the High Castle and <laughs> okay. it's super good. Like it's really well made. Like the actors are great. The sets are, are just the design and the aesthetic is great. And that then I'm really, like, it's really well made. I could not deal with the setting. It was a little bit too stressful for me. But yes, I, I read the book, so I know what's going on. So I was prepared okay. for that. I did a lot of my master's work on Man in the High Castle by Philip K. Dick. So oh, cool. I was prepared going in knowing exactly what I was getting into. But I, I really like it. And I'm going to go back to it. And then I started Game of Thrones season six again. Yes. I'm like good three choices. episodes in and it's super good. And I just tomorrow I'll probably watch an episode of The Expanse instead of Game of Thrones. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And I just I'm apparently watching three TV shows now at any given time. I don't know which one I'll watch on any given day, but I'm going to watch these three because they're all super good in super different ways. Are you about to start Voltron, too? I, I did try Voltron. I hated it. Uh, oh, okay. I got <laughs> I got about four minutes into it and I was like, Oh, this is super anime. Uh-uh. That's funny and because I turned it I, off. I watched all of the Voltron season one on Netflix, and yep. I do not like cartoons. Yeah, I know. That's what I, why I laughed so hard whenever I turned. I was like, oh, he loved this, and this is garbage. No, And no, it's not garbage. Don't not. get me wrong. I totally understand why someone would like it. It just did not catch my attention, and I knew from just the opening of it, kind of like you did with Mr. Robot, where it's like I knew going in is like, or not Mr. Robot. Um, I think it was Gravity Falls for you, maybe, where you yes. just watch part of it. And it was like, nope, this isn't the show for me. And you just get move on. It's like, I totally see why people like the Voltron show. I just know it's not for me. I did not love it, but I liked it more than I've liked a cartoon in a really long time, which is why I watched through all of it. I was like, I always struggle to find a cartoon that holds any interest at all. Yeah. So as soon as I found one that I was like, huh, this is kind of interesting. I was like, okay, I should watch the whole thing. And I'm glad I did. I, I want to go watch season two. But obviously, like if I had absolutely loved it, I would have made time for season two already. And I haven't. Uh-huh. And it's been out for a couple of weeks now. Yeah, and that makes that makes a lot of sense because generally when you love something, you jump on it immediately. Yes. And then, you know, I'll probably save this for a Health Hacks episode soon, but I wanted to tell everybody that Blue Apron, I know that you guys have done this. Uh, you may be doing it right now, actually, based on something I saw on Facebook. Uh, yeah, but are. I know that, that Blue Apron has uh, been a big mainstay of our house over the last few weeks. Um, the food is fantastic fantastic like it is so good like before we recorded tonight we had like this uh, cheeseburger with like an asian slaw and sweet potato wedges like holy gumballs buddy it was so good and 
But there are issues with the uh, service that I've had in terms of canceling it and them charging us. And they're really good about refunding it. Like, we've gotten two boxes from them after we've canceled it, and they've charged us anyway. And then they refunded the money. So we ended up getting, like, two boxes for free from them. But it's like, we canceled this a week ago and you still sent it. So the food is excellent, but be prepared that when you guys cancel the Blue Apron, that you might still get another week because it's happened to us twice. Huh, that's weird. Yeah, we haven't run into any problem with the service. Like, we we really like it. My wife loves it, so... Oh, yeah, and the yeah. food is great, and, you know, we emailed them, and within an hour, they've responded and taken care of it. Like, they're great to work with. Just that issue, but if you if you have to worry about your bank accounts and the money coming out of it, just be aware of it. Yeah, yeah, it's good to keep in mind. They, yeah. I don't know, I, my wife loves it, and I... I like that she likes it. I'm the pickier eater of the two of us, which is why yeah. I'm not like absolutely over the moon about it. But it has gotten me to try more foods than normal, which for me should count as like a gigantic win because I'm, yes, I'm just, it is. I would eat the same food every single day and have no problem with it. Like I'm just a super picky eater. I like to eat plain food. Um, if you guys know what a super taster is, I'm very, very sure that I am one of those, which <laughs> yeah. leads to a lot of these problems, but I'm not going to get into that right now. Yeah. Okay. So for me, Weekly Geekery, Fire Emblem Heroes, we talked about, and then Hitman, I talked about a little bit last episode. Since then- It's, since it's real been, good. Since we've, It's been two weeks since we recorded. After that episode, I, I'm trying to remember where it was, but I went through and I played- the training mission, there's two training missions. Uh-huh. I 100%ed those. Holy every, mother. Every single achievement, every feat, every like assassination like direction you can do, all of the escalation missions, which are really cool, it like uh-huh. gives you one challenge, and then as soon as you do that, you restart the level, and it gives you that same challenge, but with another one stacked on top of it. Oh, like, okay. I did I 100% of Good the training Lord. missions. And then... I moved on from that. I played through every single level in the game once where there's only like six levels. Uh But again, these are fully realized levels. After I did that, I just decided I'm going to pick one level and I'm going to do a deep dive just like I did on the training missions. So I picked Paris because I really like that first Paris mission. And I have just been playing Paris over and over and over again and going for different feats, different achievements. I haven't even touched the escalation missions or the uh, elusive targets yet. And it's like, I've never seen a game with this amount of replayability. It absolutely blows me away. Like, I don't replay things. And the, the fun of Hitman is not beating a level. Beating a level is like just a sampling right that's like step one when you really get into this game is when you play a level over and over and over and you understand all of the systems and all the ins and outs of the level that's probably why i like it because it's a super complicated system but the more you understand about it the more you're able to do and it just becomes amazing so i'm working through paris i got stalled out because i started a job but i'm gonna (laughs) go back and hopefully this week finish off a ton of stuff in Paris and then maybe pick the next level that I want to master. I'm not sure yet. I can't believe this game slid under my radar. Like this would have been on my games of the year list. No question in my mind. I know this would have been in my top five easily. And because I played it this year, chances of it making my top five this year are very, very high, especially because I guess there's a season two coming out sometime. There should be. Yeah, I think I read about that. 
Yeah, okay. So outside of Hitman, which I do want to talk about more because I made you try it, and I think and, you yes. have thoughts about it too. And Well, I just want to say that I think you are so much better at this game than I'm capable of being, that I'm that so bad at it. Like that that might be true. We should talk really about it more next bad. week because I will still be playing it. So I'll have yep. more thoughts. Um, the other thing I did this week was grab a Humble Bundle subscription because they were offering Total War Warhammer for like $12. And I've been eyeing that game for like six months because I read a ton of good reviews. I heard a lot of good things from people I trust. So I bought a Humble Bundle subscription, which like gives you games every month, I guess, mm-hmm. at like a very discounted rate. And they kind of reveal over the course of the month and you get a bunch of them. I don't even know how it works. I just I had to pay for it to get Total War. And I do not like Total War Warhammer. <laughs> so, really? Oh, no. Um, I, I liked the moment to moment combat on the tactical level. I did not like the strategy level at all because it becomes it's not a 4X game, but it has some of 4X game problems where it's just overly complicated when it doesn't need to be. And you're playing around oh. with all these little finicky things that just waste your time. And I'm like, just get me to the next battle. The battles are interesting. Like, the tactical battles are interesting. So, yeah. Um, but again, I bought that subscription, and there was a discount going on for three months. So I'm going to get three months' worth of Humble Bundle, and I will report back and tell you if that was a good investment or a bad one. I have no idea yet. I can see both sides of it, honestly. I, I can, too. Yeah. I because really don't looked, know. I buy a lot of Humble Bundle, like, pay-what-you-want bundles, and but I've never done the monthly because the games that I've seen on there have never interested me enough to actually want to pay for, uh, for the monthly fee. So it's just like, I don't know... I don't know if I would get any value out of it, but they do have the main game of the month at a severely discounted price almost every month, if that's your thing. Yeah, so my thinking was they had this deal going on. It was like less than $30 or right around $30 to get like three months worth of it, or I could have paid $12 to get this one month. And I have never seen the Total War Warhammer game on Steam fall below $30. I was like, you know what? Let's just put the $30 in and find out what happens. I I will let you guys know. I promise. If it's not worth the money, I'm going to tell you it's not worth the money. At this point, I have no idea. Besides that, last thing, because it's been on my weekly geekery for like four weeks now, Choka Bachika, one of our listeners, has been doing a watch through of Star Wars, and she's stalled out right now. I kept hoping that she was going to get back to it so I could talk about it before, after she finished it, but I'd rather just bring it up now because we can talk about this another week and it could become a bigger topic she has never actually watched the star wars movies blasphemy in talking with her on twitter with like it was me and her and a couple other people and i kind of convinced her that they are approachable for newbies even though they've been around since the 70s yeah so i got her to start watching them in machete order and report back so she's been using a hashtag on twitter and i don't want to tell you guys what it is yet because i don't want you to like ruin the movies for her um but It is so fascinating to follow along with somebody who's never watched Star Wars and to see what their impressions are now, you know, in 2017. Because Machete Order, if you don't know, it's where you watch episode four and five, and then you jump back and you watch episode two and three. So you get Luke's story, and then you get Anakin's story, and then you jump ahead and you watch episode six. So you watch Return of the Jedi, which kind of combines their two stories and gives both of them resolutions, And then you can go ahead and watch seven after that. 
And you just cut one out because you don't actually need one to tell the story of Star yeah, Wars. It does. It adds nothing to the overall narrative that you don't get from, you know, them saying something in exposition like one time. Yes. So I want to talk about that more as she finishes it and finishes out her thoughts about it, because I just think it's kind of an interesting project. And I love when people take on projects like this, because it reminds me of me going back and doing Final Fantasy or uh-huh. me going back and doing The Legend of Zelda. Like these kind of projects that are just self-propelled, they can yield really interesting results. And it just shows that like you're passionate about things and you're willing to commit to it, you know? And I wanted to say, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter. I did uh, with speaking of Chocobo Chica, call her out on this one. She went to uh, the Final Fantasy concerts, uh, the what is it? Distant World and met. I'm, I'm going to say his name wrong. The Nobu Ematsu uh, and got him to sign her arm and is going to get it tattooed on her arm where he signed it. Like to oh, finish so out awesome. her, to finish out her uh uh final fantasy sleeve and like it looks so friggin cool so i just want you guys to go bother her on twitter and on the subreddit and make her show you the tattoo of the signature because it's like she's She's a friend of the show she is and that's why i I bother my friends tell me that's not true i I have nothing to say to that but yes (laughs) we will talk more about first time through star wars later as she finishes because she's a friend of the show and she's awesome and i think that's an interesting topic okay we're way over time but we had a lot to talk about because it's been two weeks since we recorded with that you can write to us with comments suggestions or feedback our email address as always is geek to geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on twitter at geekcast we also have longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek to geekcast And remember, you can go to the subreddit, even if you're not a typical Redditor, and it is a nice, safe community where you don't get the normal Reddit front page stuff. And so you can find us there. And if you want to get email updates about any of our network's podcasts, you can sign up at geek2geekcast.net, and you can just tell us which shows you want updates about. I blog at agreenmushroom.com less frequently at the moment because I'm starting a new job, but you can still get me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's Beej with the two E's I stole from his Green Mushroom, and I blog and occasionally podcast at geekfitness.net. We've been Void and Beej with your Geek Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Changes! But that was a motorcycle, wasn't it? Yeah. Wait for it. <laughs> Months without it. And it's like we start recording. Two On minutes later, like, there's that motorcycle. Tuesday yep. night motorcycle. <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs>